0: to Kindreds, a podcast for soul sisters. I'm Ashley Peterson. And I'm Katie Zay. We're kindred spirits talking all things faith, feminism, and friendship from our homes in the South. Hey, Ashley. Hey, Katie. How's it going? Uh, it's going well. Yeah, it's the. A- season's changing it's getting cooler outside actually colder outside I should say yeah it's cold here too I love it
1: so what's been going on Uh, oh you know the cold comes in and so does the fall seasonal sicknesses oh yeah we just got rid of a stomach bug from our house I think we're finally on the other side yeah but after taking several days off of work to care for a sick kiddo um, I'm just glad we're all better and I'm just looking forward to the holidays and figuring out this will be the first Christmas that Avery is aware of. And we got a taste of, I guess, that awareness on Halloween. He just, he really seemed to understand that Halloween was a different day and something cool was going to happen. And he got excited about trick-or-treating and wearing a costume. Oh, that's and so-, so fun. I know. So I'm so excited that he's going to be aware of Thanksgiving and Christmas and just what are we going to do? How are we going to celebrate it? It's like a blank slate. We could do whatever we want and start new traditions. And
0: so, yeah, I'm
1: just thinking about a lot of that and enjoying
0: that. What about you? Yeah. Well, I look forward to hearing what you come up with for this year. Yeah. Because that'll be fun. I am getting ready to go on my last, I think, last work trip of the year, which I'm really excited about. Not the trip itself, but just that it's the last one. Yeah. So I'm going to be flying out to San Diego next week for the American Academy of Religion Conference, which happens every year. It's huge, like tens of thousands of people. I think that that's right. Maybe, maybe not tens of thousands, but thousands of people who are all in the Academy for Religion of Different Kinds get together. So um, I've been about this will be my third time going to it and I'm looking forward to going and then coming back
1: <laughs> and then staying yeah. put. <laughs> yeah, I understand that. I love conferences, but man, they wear you out. <laughs> yeah, they
0: really they really do and I'll be um running a booth in the exhibit hall for a lot of that so that's mm. gonna be a lot of extroverting <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> over a long so weekend much small talk <laughs> yeah so i'll be looking forward to the long plane ride there and back and i can just be by myself and watch netflix mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Put your headphones on and give off the "Do not talk to me"
1: seatmate vibes. Yes, exactly.
0: (laughs) Huddle up under a blanket in the corner. Um, A couple of announcements before we get started. Uh, Just we haven't gotten any new reviews in a while on Apple Podcasts. I go and look with the hope that someone will have written one. So if you've been (laughs) waiting to do that, it would be a great gift for us if you would do that because they're really fun to read and we'll make sure to read it on air on the next episode. Mm-hmm. So if yes. please do that. It's just, it gives us a lot of pleasure when people take the time. So if you've been waiting to do that, please do it. Um, we're going to do our listener request episode in a few weeks in December. So if there's something that we haven't been talking about that you want us to weigh in on or if you have a question, send us an email at team at kindredspodcast.com or if you sign up to be one of our patrons, you'll get access to our exclusive Facebook group. And there you can uh, get us a question really easily. So you mm-hmm. can do that by going over to patreon.com kindreds. And however you want to communicate with us, we would love for you all to help shape this last episode of the year. Because um, it's a lot of fun for us just to get to interact with you. So send us a question yeah. or comment and we will incorporate it into our show. And without further ado, today we are talking about gratitude. I said, tis the season for hashtag blessed. (laughs) Our favorite. (laughs) The ever, ever evergreen hashtag blessed. (laughs) So gratitude is definitely having a long moment on social media. And we want to go beyond the surface of hashtag blessed and talk about Just what it means to be grateful or thankful or blessed, however you say that. So, Ashley, I'm curious when you hear the word gratitude, what comes to mind for you? So
1: it probably won't be a surprise that gratitude is not so simple and that we have a lot to say and think about and unpack around it. Just the idea of what does it mean to be grateful? And thinking about, you know, growing up, gratitude was just the straightforward thing. Someone does something nice, somebody helps you out, uh, you say thank you. Mm-hmm. And that's an amazing thing to do to express thanks to the people in your life or to God or the universe. I would say, though, that my idea of gratitude has evolved over the years. And I'll share a kind of a story that you might be able to relate to, Katie, or our listeners. Um, For most of my life, I've dealt with anxiety. Mm. I think you've talked about experiencing that as well. And I didn't always understand what it was. And I definitely did not learn to manage it until well into my 20s. And so depending on what was going on in my life, um, it could get pretty severe, like situational anxiety, if things were You know, trouble in a relationship or stressful situations at work or school. Like it it could get pretty severe and could sometimes impact relationships. And for me, I don't know if this would ring true for you, but a lot of my anxiety revolves around the what ifs. All the things I can't control about the future, maybe getting hung up on things that have happened in the past, conversations, you know, conflict with people. Did I do the wrong thing or say the wrong thing or did I? Um, did I fail in some way? And in that way, anxiety for me is often rooted in fear, like
0: mm-hmm. fear of failure, of course. fear of
1: losing someone yes. or losing something um, or not having enough, um, mm-hmm. that scarcity mindset of not having enough of something I'm going to need or not being enough of, of what the people in my life need me to be. And through therapy, I learned that gratitude Can be a powerful antidote to anxiety. I've learned to use gratitude as a practice uh, that acknowledges the abundance of the present moment, no matter what might be happening around me or what I might be feeling. So when I take the time to actually stop, breathe, and focus on the present, I can calm my mind that way and feel truly grateful for what is instead of being afraid of what might be. And in that way, being grateful almost always leads to letting go of fear. So gratitude is more like a mindfulness practice for me now than um, when I was younger and it was more just about giving thanks or saying thanks. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. How does that sound to you? Does any of that, I don't know, echo your experience or any thoughts about it?
0: I think what you just shared was really vulnerable and beautiful. Um,
1: I think those two
0: things usually go together for me. Yeah. Someone's (laughs) just allowing us into um, their struggles and what they've learned. So I just, I want to say thank you for sharing. Yeah, of course. Um, And I like the framing of gratitude as a practice of mindfulness and a response to anxiety and fear. And it's not... Instead of beating yourself up for feeling anxious or saying, oh, well, I shouldn't worry, you're replacing it mm-hmm. with something positive, And then the impact of that is a, a lessening of the thing that's causing you discomfort and fear. And at, to me, what you're describing sounds like what it means to be in the present moment of mm-hmm. scanning for what is right now rather than what am I afraid is going to happen yeah,
1: exactly. Um, which
0: is what anxiety is for me is just the fear of the unknown and going mm-hmm. to the worst case scenario for how things might turn out and so shifting the the um energy toward okay what what's happening right now that I can acknowledge that um and maybe it's as simple as like I exist, I'm breathing. <laughs> um Exactly. Um, and shelter I have food <laughs> like whatever I have
1: food on the table yeah. a roof over my head yeah sometimes it's that just acknowledging like hey I really do have a lot mm-hmm. I really do have everything that I need in this moment mm-hmm. right now and that's actually like just a concrete tool that I use when I can't sleep if I've got the just hamster wheel going in mm-hmm. my brain I'll start listing things that I'm grateful for for every letter of the alphabet
0: oh <laughs> that's
1: that's lovely that's very meditative yeah, it really is and I'm usually asleep by like M or n like it really is calming <laughs> yeah it forces you to stop and actually consider an a of course is always Avery, Avery. yeah <laughs> yeah always and um you know it makes you stop and think of something and you can always think of something is the thing mm-hmm. and so I don't know yeah that's in that fun. way it just really is about mindfulness and <sighs> don't know I hate to think of it as just like stress relief but I think it's just more reframing Mm -hmm. and putting putting things into perspective and I think for me anxiety it has lessened a lot over the years as I have learned to be more present Mm -hmm. if that makes sense Mm -hmm. and so I know that Mm -hmm. that's not always true for everybody and I'm not saying that this is the answer to especially the type, you know, the kinds of anxiety that need medication, like that is a real thing too. Right. So this is not to downplay that sometimes it's bigger than just being grateful, right? but this is, this is a tool that's helped me.
0: Right. Yeah. I I appreciate what you just said and that this is a particular practice that has worked well for you and probably could benefit other people, but might not be the only thing that needs to be Mm -hmm. implemented. But I do like thinking about gratitude as being something that's very internal Mm -hmm. and a mindset shift. And I think as I think about gratitude and where I'm trying to grow right now, I've considered myself someone who's just a truth teller and I like to be authentic. And so when people ask me how I'm doing, I try really hard to be authentic and I tend to be really Mm. authentic about what's hard and Uh, wanting to share, like not just say, oh, I'm good, you know, but yeah. But I've tried even in this week when people I had a really tough week at work this week. And when people ask me, like, how are you? I say, let me answer that in two ways. Let me tell you how I'm doing personally. And then let me tell you about how I'm feeling about my job, because Mm -hmm. how I feel about it is different from like the hard parts of the job. And Mm -hmm. that sort of helps me split it where I feel like I'm still being truthful, but I'm also not reinforcing to my own brain that everything sucks. <laughs> like mm-hmm. I'm I'm sharing, okay, this is what I feel like I'm, this is what I feel like is good about this hard situation. And so what I liked about what you shared is to you know, it's gratitude is an active word. It's, mm-hmm. it's uh, something that we have to put forward effort to recognize and scan mm-hmm. for what we appreciate and recognize as good and beautiful in our lives. And I think about how for so many years of my life, like when I would take – a walk with my dog. I was not even aware of my surroundings at mm-hmm. all. I was just like yeah. in my own brain and the the um you know the little screen we have in our brain that's playing out things was like blinding me from what was around me. And so I think even just the simple appreciation of nature and taking my dog into the woods and um we have deer by our house now and just like the awe of beauty of the very simple things around us helps shift me out of like just the hamster wheel that you were describing. So yeah um, but I've like I've made it a practice that I'm gonna look yep. for those things and and even if I'm by myself I say them out loud because yep. it I'm hearing it, right? Like the gratitude um to help shift the way that I'm just going about my life. And mm-hmm. that's what I like about it. It's it's active. It's a decision I make. I'm gonna actively do this thing and honor what's good. And I know you have thoughts about this, but gratitude to me as a practice is so different from when people say I'm blessed or hashtag blessed on social media. So mm-hmm. I want to hear your thoughts because I know you a lot <laughs> about hashtag blessed.
1: You know, when we decided to do an episode on gratitude, it was the first thing that came to mind was the word blessed, especially hashtag blessed, the way it's used on Instagram or whatever. And Blessed is a word that I think gets abused, honestly, and it's a word that I don't really use. Um, I definitely don't use hashtag blessed because to me, that's more about performing gratitude or signaling a type Mm -hmm. of religiosity. Um, It's not really authentic gratitude. (laughs) And I remembered a post that Rachel Held Evans wrote on her blog many years ago. We will link to it in the show notes because it is still very relevant today. But it sums up my feelings perfectly. And this is a quote from her blog post. For some reason, I feel like calling myself blessed sends the message that I have somehow earned God's special favor, that God is rewarding me for good behavior, and that the millions of people who suffer from war, famine, poverty, and sickness because they weren't lucky or blessed or fortunate enough to be born in the wealthiest nation in the world are simply not as loved by God. And that has summed up the way I feel about the word blessed. Uh-huh. for a long time and Rachel talks about using the word lucky instead which is what I've always tended to do so I don't know what do you
0: think about that oh see we might disagree I do not like the word lucky for oh, stuff yeah. for what she's describing because it luck luck to me seems like random mm-hmm. um but the fact that there are people who suffer from war and famine and poverty are because of systemic issues mm. of injustice and so I think I'm privileged actually like there's a reason that Mm. we, I mean, maybe the randomness of where we were born. Okay. Yeah. Yes. I think that might be what she's referring to in the blog post. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But like the reason that, you know, I have the existence that I have is because in large part, because of systemic oppression. So I think I use the word privileged Mm
1: -hmm. more. No, I think that is a great point. How do you feel about the word blessed?
0: I'm like you. I'm not a big fan of the word blessed. It's not a word that I use very much for all of the reasons that you've already said. And related to what we were just talking about, when people use the word blessed to describe something about their life that's directly connected with unearned privilege, I really have a problem with that because it's Just like prosperity gospel thinking that if I receive something good in my life, it's because I did something to earn it. And if I don't, Mm -hmm. it's because of a shortcoming on my end. Yep. The word blessed for me is really different from the word grateful. Yeah. Because blessed is a state of being that was orchestrated by something outside of myself. And I feel like it connotes the idea of chosenness. That there's a delineation of people who are outsiders and people who are insiders. And if I'm hashtag blessed because I wasn't left out, it's because I got picked, because I'm special. I'm a cool kid. And that thinking is not at all in alignment with who I believe the divine to be, because God just doesn't have favorites in that kind of way.
1: I mean, Jesus said as much in his Sermon of the Mount, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Blessed are those who are poor, who mourn, who hunger. in. I mean, that is a foundational teaching of Jesus that I think completely turns the idea of hashtag blessed on its head. Jesus is challenging the idea of being blessed as being prosperous in any earthly way in that statement. And so I don't know. I just feel like we really miss the point when we talk about being blessed as having a lot of material wealth or having a lot of family. I mean, you can say you're blessed by... You know, having a lot of loved ones or having good health. But even in that sense, it makes it feel like Mm -hmm. you're blessed with with health and someone else is not blessed with health. And I just really – I just struggle with that idea. Yeah. I mean, there's a Buddhist teaching that all life is suffering. And I remember in college – I think I was a freshman in college when I took a world religions class and I remember that was the first time I'd heard the four noble truths of Buddhism and one of them is that all life is suffering and I bristled so hard at that my like 18 year old understanding of life and gratitude and blessings and God. And I thought, no, there's, you know, all life is not suffering. What a, you know, downer way to look at life. Like life is beautiful and all of that. And, but the older I get, and the more I realize that what that actually means is that no one is exempt from suffering. We all experience suffering and no one's suffering is more profound or greater than someone else's. Like what really matters is how we deal with that suffering and move through it. And whether it opens us up to being more compassionate people because of mm-hmm. it. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. And
1: now it's, you know, it's a cliche, I guess, to look back at the the hard things we go through as the things that make us who we are. It's kind of a cliche, but cliches are that way for a reason, right? Because there's something essentially true about
0: it. Yeah, that is the lesson. Exactly. That is the lesson.
1: Exactly. So in that way, I think we can remember to feel gratitude for the hard things too, it just, mm-hmm. you know, it sucks. Maybe not in the moment. But. <laughs> yeah,
0: not in the moment. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. So I, I did want to talk for a sec because you brought up the word blessing, and I have strangely have less of a problem with that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think because I think of blessing as just gifts that I have, and so I think about our friendship,
1: mm-hmm. and that's a
0: blessing because I, I do feel like there were forces outside of my control that brought Mm -hmm. us together. Mm -hmm. Um, And we have to put work into keeping that friendship what it is. But I would say our connection is a blessing because it feels like a gift from the divine. And that Mm -hmm. means for me, like, this is something I really want to treasure and care for because it's a gift and I want to honor that gift. So I don't know why those things feel different. I guess blessed as a category of me versus blessing as something I have um, in my life that I just consider sacred.
1: Yeah, I love that. And I had not really given much thought to that distinction before, but I think it is apt, like blessed as a state of being versus blessing as a gift that we're grateful for. Like, I think that Mm -hmm. that's very different. I like that a lot. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So we both have little people in our lives. What mm-hmm. are you trying to teach Sammy about gratitude? I'm curious.
0: Yeah. Sam just turned five. So uh, I, I feel like it's a big shift in her as a person. Yeah. I don't know if it's just she said, I'm five now, and now I'm going to be five, and it feels categorically <laughs> different from four. Um Aww. But so part of the holiday season for us is we really resist the premature Christmas season stuff. Mm-hmm. And Me too. Like Thanksgiving is a problematic holiday for lots of reasons, but I want us to be in this season of Thanksgiving until it is after Thanksgiving. So yep. we have been decorating our house with Thanksgiving stuff and Sam loves to sing in the car, so we've been listening to this preschool Thanksgiving list on Spotify, which I can link oh, to, although I don't know if I want to share it with the world because every parent will be annoyed by it. But there, <laughs> <laughs> there's a song that's just really simple. That's like, thank you, thank you, thank you. Let's all say thank you. And she loves it. She's like, mommy, this song is so beautiful. Aww. And it's just really sweet. So um connected to that, I think all of the early lessons around cultural practices of politeness of saying please Mm -hmm. and thank you when we do things and it can feel pretty perfunctory um but i do think at just a basic level these practices help instill the need to pause Mm -hmm. and recognize when other people are contributing to our lives even Mm -hmm. if it's something really easy i mean i'm constantly doing things for sammy and i'm sure you're constantly doing things for avery yes um (laughs) and getting them to recognize the effort involved um So I think it's, you know, it's a bit surface level, um, it could be automatic, but it does work that muscle gratitude. So I think Matt and I are also trying to model that same please and thank you ritual with Sam because we ask her all the time to do things and thanking her for doing them and asking her Mm -hmm. please. It's a sign of respect of – you're a person and I'm going to treat you with dignity. So I'm going to ask you, will you please put on your shoes for the 8,000th time? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but I think beyond that, I've really worked to use my words to show appreciation for who she is as a person and, and get really specific because I don't know, I guess I wish I had had that as a child. Yeah. And when we're, we're cuddling at night, she loves to cuddle before bed. So I try to tell her in detail about why I think she's such an amazing human and talk about her being smart and kind and artistic and why and what what are the things that I see evidence of those things. So it's not just like Mm -hmm. I'm saying a list of adjectives, but um, but really specifically, what are the things I appreciate about her? Um, And then just this week, we had the beaver moon, the full moon, Mm -hmm. Um, and we were just admiring that together. And I think when I say to her, oh, my gosh, Sammy, look at the sky, look how beautiful it is. Kids absorb that and then model that back. And so she'll point to things that she finds beautiful. So it's just a lot of modeling behavior right now. Um, And I think it can get stuck in politeness, but gratitude can also be connected with awe and wonder uh, Mm -hmm. about nature or something in small in our lives. And I feel like that can be very transform- transformative both for me and for her. Um, so that's that's where I'm thinking about gratitude with a five-year-old right now. Yeah. So you've got a younger one, <laughs> a toddler. He's not even two. So what about
1: Avery? Well, we've actually just in the last month or so started with the please and thank you. He's an early talker. So I felt like if he has the language to say mommy milk, he could say, mommy milk, please. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. So I have been starting with the please and thank yous with him. I definitely did please first because I think please has a direct action of like, if you say please, then someone's more likely to do the thing that you want them to do. Thank you is a little more abstract. And so I don't think he understands why he's saying it yet, but I, Mm -hmm. he, Every time he says it independently, my heart just explodes. Oh, oh my gosh. Yes. I love it. It doesn't so happen nice. very often. But when it does, I'm just like, oh, he's getting it. And yeah, repetition. Yeah, the repetition. And I just it's a muscle, right? Like the mm-hmm. gratitude muscle. I just want him to get the early like make it routine of saying please and thank you. And right now, yeah, you're right. It is just the politeness. It's like how to be a decent person. But when, as he gets older, I definitely plan to incorporate the, the why behind it. We say thank mm-hmm. you because it recognizes that someone did something nice for us or went out of their way for us. And mm-hmm. it's funny because in helping him learn to say thank you, it reminds me to say thank you as mm-hmm. well. For mm-hmm. example, I mentioned at the top of the show that we had. We just had a stomach bug come through our house. So there was oh. so much diaper changing that was oh, happening. Oh, gosh. It was and awful. And it was so bad. And I, my husband is amazing. He really takes the lead on the, the diaper changes. We kind of had this agreement when I got – when I got pregnant and when we had the baby and I said, I'll be in charge of inputs and you be in charge of outputs <laughs> <And> <laughs> because i breastfed for a year and I was just oh, like, yeah. you know, like i some in, making
0: up to do. but Yes,
1: exactly. So I'll do, I'll be the so
0: on the feeding. Input and
1: output. <laughs> yeah. And so there was a moment last week when, um, I said to Avery, you know, did you say thank you daddy for changing your diaper? <laughs> <laughs> and <he's, laughs> thank you. And, I, and it reminds me to, like, turn to my husband and say, thank you for changing all the diapers. Like, it's just a good reminder. And it's even though we're just doing the things that have to be done around the house to make the house run, you know, it's still nice to hear that someone else yeah. appreciates the work we're, we're doing. And so right. I try to remember to say thank you because, I mean, Lord, changing 30 diapers <laughs> <laughs> it's
0: just it deserves some appreciation
1: it's so, true yeah yeah
0: well it's a good internal external connection of okay I'm scanning for what mm-hmm. my partner has done so mm-hmm. I'm shifting my yes my perspective and then I'm <laughs> yes. externally expressing my appreciation yes um, that's really good
1: well um I guess we've possibly exhausted the topic of gratitude and thank yous at this point so maybe we should shift gears a little bit and talk about what we're reading and listening to so katie would you like to start
0: yes i have a bit of an out there read um so try to suspend your judgment
1: while i describe it to
0: you um i just finished this book called many lives many masters and it's by dr brian weiss he is uh, Yale-trained psychiatrist. Mm-hmm. And a long time ago, I mean, I, I want to say it was mm, maybe in the 80s or 90s, he had a patient named Catherine who had debilitating anxiety. So back mm-hmm. to what we were talking about at the top of the show. And she like she had had trauma that she couldn't remember the source of. And so he started treating her with hypnotherapy. Um, I don't know if you've ever been hypnotized or done no. self hypnosis I have I'm actually I think I'm very susceptible to it oh, but um she started to recall past life experiences going huh. back thousands of years huh and at first he thought she was delusional you know I'm or sure like making up yeah. something or in a dream like phase but she was able to recall really specific details from these lives and then she shared really specific details about the doctor's father and infant son who had died. Like Whoa. things she couldn't have known. This was before the internet. So Whoa. it's just a really fascinating read. And whether or not you believe an idea of like the mortal soul or reincarnation, to me, what that book taught is that we're all here to learn lessons and loving each other. Mm -hmm. And I feel like if the whole thing is a farce, which I frankly, I don't believe it is, it's just a wonderful parable of healing and love and wonder. And the thing is, through the hypnotherapy that they do, she is completely cured of her anxiety. Mm -hmm. And she can't recall anything that she was saying in her hypnosis sessions. Like she couldn't remember any of it. He recorded all of it, but she could not remember it. But there was something about that going back into these memories that she had that healed her in the present moment. So it's a really fascinating read. It's, I think I read it in two sittings. It's very wow. quick. Wow. Um, so if you want to check it out, it's a <laughs> bit out
1: there. That's wild.
0: Um, yeah. Many lives, many masters. And this guy, you know, I went to Yale. I'm not saying everybody who went there is <laughs> not crazy, but um, <laughs> he's got good credentials and I think probably risked a lot by publishing this book. Probably. Um, because it's pretty out there. So anyway. That's Many lives, many masters. It's pretty, it's pretty interesting. I love yeah. it.
1: And I think it is so important sometimes to read stuff that is, cha- is going to challenge the things we think we know. You know what I mean? Like read things that we don't always – read and expose ourselves yeah. to ideas that we're not familiar with like I love that like I don't know mm-hmm. anything about the idea of reincarnation I really don't and so this idea that folks might have some past lives and that they can actually recall through hypnosis I mean I find that
0: fascinating so and she was recalling her death every time and her death was the same like the experience of the death no matter what body she was in was the same experience every time
1: I mean I would have um, watched that movie <laughs> I <know. laughs> that's so cool I want to see that movie <laughs> do you remember I think we talked about this book I can't tell you which episode but I want to say that I shared once that I had read by Austin Channing Brown I'm Still Here Black Dignity in a World Made for Whiteness I think is the title um so Austin Channing Brown has a web series that she co-hosts and co- produces with Chi-Chi Okwu and Jenny Booth Potter, and it's called The Next Question. We will link to it in the show notes. You can find it. I think it's tnqshow.com, but it's so good. On the website, they say, this is the tagline, the revolutionary road to racial justice happens face-to-face when we dare to ask hard questions, listen, and then ask the next question, It's so good. There are six episodes so far, and each is a conversation with a leading activist, writer, journalist, researcher, imagining how expansive racial justice can be. So there are episodes that talk about prison abolition. um, They interview someone with the 1619 Project exploring um, the chattel slavery um, in in America. And um, the episode that got me started was one with Brene Brown which Hmm. I love her anyway, and this episode, what is so powerful about it is they sit down and talk about, okay, Brene, you have built a career on vulnerability, talking about the power of vulnerability and how we all need to bring more vulnerability into our lives for wholehearted living, but what if you are a black woman for whom being vulnerable in public, in the workplace, actually poses a lot of risk. How is your advice applicable to us? How does that work when you're not a white woman mm. with, a, with a certain level of privilege? And to so Brene's good. credit, she just, I mean, she answers the conversation. What is so amazing about it is it's just questions asked and answered of each other. It's conversations. There's no defensiveness The like that we've talked about in past episodes of, um, white feminism the the defense mechanisms that we put up when we're being challenged about things we say and and so I found this episode to be a really good especially for white women a really good model of like how to think through and talk about these hard questions without crying without getting personal without um getting defensive and and trying to turn it, the question around so that you don't have to deal with accountability, like all of that stuff. I mean, it, it was really good. And so I look forward to watching the rest of the episodes. Um, I think that this web series is really groundbreaking and is very needed. So I encourage all of our listeners to seek it out. It's uh, the next question, show.com We will put it in the show
0: notes. I love it. Yep. Thank you for sharing. That was really great. And you are up for our Kindred of the Moments. What have you got? Okay, so I'm taking a little different spin on the Kindreds of the Moment
1: uh, this episode. Our Kindred of the Moment is the Equal Rights Amendment.
0: Holla. Holla. Been around almost 100 freaking years. (laughs) And all of its
1: authors, champions, and supporters since its introduction into Congress, like you said, almost 100 years ago in 1923. Good Lord. So what is the ERA? The Equal Rights Amendment, or the ERA, was written by Alice Paul. Who mm-hmm. have you ever seen Iron Jawed Angels? Yes, so good. Alice yes. Paul is the main protagonist in that movie. Um, she was played by Hillary Swink. If you've seen oh my it, my gosh, that's it's who we're so talking about. Good. It is good, and it's kind of hard to find. It was an HBO movie back in the like early two thousands. I remember watching it in college because I lived in an apartment that ha- had free HBO, <laughs> and so that was how I got to see it. And I actually found it a few years ago, but it's not it's not very widely distributed. But if you can find it, it's a great movie. So the ERA states, equality of rights under the law shall not be denied or abridged by the United States or by any state on account of sex. It is that simple. It would right. be an amendment to the Constitution that says you can't make laws or deny any rights to a person just because of their sex.
0: Yeah, we don't have that protection right now, y'all. we don't.
1: We don't. It's not assumed. It's absolutely not assumed. And a lot of people don't know that the ERA is almost 100 years old. Most people think about it in association with, like, the second wave feminists of the 60s and 70s. You know, that's Mm -hmm. how most people think of it. And that was when it officially passed. But in order for an amendment to become part of the Constitution, it has to be ratified by at least 38 of the 50 states. And Mm -hmm. up until... So the ERA passed, but then the states wouldn't ratify it. So up until... This year. Thanks, Phyllis Schlafly or whatever. Yeah, it was. It was Phyllis Schlafly who got a lot of the southern states. It's mostly southern states that refused to ratify it. Mississippi, where I live, is one state that did not ratify. But we're in a position right now where 37 of the 38 states have ratified the ERA. We only need one more. And last week, the state legislature in Virginia flipped from Republican to Democrat. And they last year, put up the ERA, the Democrats passed it. It was ultimately defeated. But likely in the 2020 legislative session next year, the ERA will be ratified by the newly elected Democratic majority in Virginia. So
0: there would be a lot of implications for reproductive rights. And yes. So the challenge is
1: that there was a deadline for the states to ratify. And I believe it was in the 80s. And it has officially passed. And so what we don't know is if what happens if Virginia ratifies and a majority of the states have ratified the ERA, what happens? So it goes to the Supreme Court to decide. And that is where it gets dicey because we have a pretty conservative (laughs) Supreme
0: Court. We need to do some impeachment over on the uh, Supreme Court side. (sighs) Add some more Supreme Court justices.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Balance things out. So... Why I'm talking about this now, why it's important is that the Equal Rights Amendment would enshrine the equality of the sexes into our Constitution in a way that it never has been before and protect the rights of not only women, but also people who are non-binary, queer, or trans mm-hmm. from the whims of Congress and the states. It would protect all of our rights regardless of sex. And it's a huge deal. So keep an eye on what happens in 2020. Um if there are ways you feel compelled to speak out and support. I don't have a website for you right off the top of my head. I can't remember.
0: We'll put some in the show notes. But we will put
1: some in the show notes. I think there is a website. Equal Means Equal Project, the Alice Paul Institute. There are a few places that you can that you can look to see how you can support it. Um, but we'll put those in the show notes as well. So, the Equal Rights Amendment. Yes, I love it. <laughs> our kindred
0: of the moment. Keeping it alive. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, so our next episode we talked about just for a mm-hmm. minute at the top of the show, we will do our annual, second annual listener request episode. Yay! Which means you get to shape what we talk about. So if you have a question or share, if want to share an idea with us, send us an email at team at kindredspodcast.com or you can reach out to me on Twitter at Katie Zay. And we'll try to answer your question on the show. And if we don't get enough questions, Ashley and I will, uh, we'll, we'll spit go ball. over our favorite. We'll spitball. We'll talk about <laughs> our favorite Gilmore Girls episode. Yep. We'll talk about Ashley's hair towel. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we'll just,
1: whatever's on our minds that day.
0: <laughs> 30 minutes of rambling. Uh-huh. Your favorite. <laughs> All right. Well, it'll, it'll be fun to talk to you about whatever our listeners have to say. So I will talk to you in a few weeks. Talk to you then. Thanks for listening. You can find us on our website,
1: KindredsPodcast.com. That's Kindreds with an S. Or you can send us an email at
0: team at KindredsPodcast.com. You can also follow me, Katie, on Twitter at Katie Zay. That's Katie with an E-Y-Z-E-H. Please send us your thoughts, ideas, and questions. We'd love to hear from you.